Yes, that's right. The, the, the preacher's kids did uh, the skull chant when Kirk Cousin came in. It was so cute to see all of them doing that. But uh, real quick, I had a couple of people ask about the virtues that we had, and I think they put the link up there, but it's just on our, our website or on my website. And uh, the 31 virtues praying over the kids. If you need that, get it. Um, and my thing was, nothing that I shared in that session was like rocket science, but it was like, be intentional. Be intentional. I'm going to intentionally raise our kids in the ways of the Lord. And uh, I do have to give a huge shout out to my wife. She, there was a couple other things I, I couldn't help but think of. She always puts our big rocks in with my assistant. She's like, these are the big things that have to go on the calendar before anything else gets on the calendar. And I love that she does that. And so I'll look, I'll be like, oh, there's a thing. And she's like, yeah, I put it on there. You know, I got that on there. So that has helped us have our family time and stay together. And so anyways, just huge shout out to my wife for doing that. And then the other thing is, um, sometimes your personal assistant, if you have one, and uh, let me just say something on that. You say, I don't have a personal assistant. I don't have the money for that. Okay, do volunteer. Just like you would nursery worker or something else, you do a personal assistant that helps you on the weekend so that when you're talking to somebody, because here's what'll happen at your church, somebody come up and say, hey, can we get together? We were wondering if you guys would want to do this. And as they're talking to you, there goes a visiting family. And you want to talk to them, but you don't know how to, but ah, and you're torn. And so it's easier if you have a volunteer, you say, hey, could you talk to Sue? Sue actually volunteers on the weekend and she sets up appointments for me. And so if you go over there and talk to her, you can, we can get that. I want to go catch that new family. They get taken care of and then she's using her, you see what I'm saying? It doesn't cost any money and you could do it. So it's just an idea on that. So, but she held up, my wife held up a picture to my assistant and said, this is where your compassion needs to go. This is our family. You need to think of them, protect this time and think of them. If anybody else can do it, let them do it. Protect this family and, and delegate out to the rest of the staff. And I love that my wife stood up for our family in that way. So today, um, I think the first hundred in here got a book. And uh, I, again, I'm not like Chris Hodges where I gave it all away, but it is digitally, I think it's $2.99 as well, and this message inspired the book, Fix It. And uh, it, you're gonna see, it. it's from my life, it's from the stories that I've gone through, it's gonna be practical, and then uh, from there, I wanna pray for the miracles that you're needing as well. I wanna pray for you. Uh, God has plenty more miracles where that one came from, and we're, not, we're never taking somebody else's miracle. That's the beautiful thing about it. People feel guilty, like, well, how did you get it, and why did I get it, and why didn't they? You're not taking anybody's miracle. Everybody gets their own. So we're gonna go after it. Um, so here's what I've learned in starting the church. There were problems. There were a lot of problems. And I, I had to figure out who was gonna fix the problems. And I felt like a failure. I don't know if you're like me, but I felt like a failure. Like it should have been easy. I shouldn't have had the problem. And I get all these problems and everything kept coming to me. And I'm trying to figure out, like, how can I solve all these problems? I don't have all the answers. I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm trying to be Mr. Fix-It guy and solving everything that should have been in somebody else's category. And I wasn't doing a very good job. And all of a sudden, I got the revelation that some of these are my problems to fix. Some of them are their problem to fix. And some of them are God's problem. And if I can get them in the right category, I can, this thing can move forward pretty fast. Now, the thing is, if you look at it, it, it sounds so simple, but it's not. Think, of, think about Abraham. 
He, Abraham and Sarah are going to have a child and God says, I've got this. What messes it up? Abraham says, no, I've got this. And then he has Hagar and he has the uh, child Ishmael and, and that leads to a whole nother, why? He took it out of God's column and put it into his column. So it, it seems so easy, but you've got to figure out whose column it is, and if you don't, you're gonna mess it up. And then there's other things that I see with pastors all the time. They are blaming the devil that their church isn't growing, and their church seats 200 people, they're running 200, and they won't add another service. It's not spiritual. It's just practical. That's yours. And, and you have to have the leadership ability to step up and say, we need to start another service, and, and cash in the leadership chips to say, we're gonna go to multiple services, and no, we're not all gonna hang out anymore, but we're gonna reach more people. We're gonna solve this problem. No matter how hard you pray, you can only fit 200 people in a church that seats 200 people. It's not a spiritual problem. It's your problem. You have to fix it. When I look through the book of Acts, I'll go on a jet tour here. Um, I mean, in Acts 1, they need a new disciple. They say, we've got this. We'll pick out the new disciple. In, in Acts chapter 2, they need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. God's like, I got this one. Okay? In Acts 4, they're like, hey, we gotta take care of the people in the church. What do we do? The people say, we've got this. It's our problem. We're gonna bring our gifts to the table. We're gonna bring our money. You see this? And you start looking through Acts. You go chapter by chapter. In chapter 5, there's a liar in the church. God's like, I got this. I'll kill him. All right, you know, he's got that one. <laughs> Acts chapter 6, he's like, we uh, need deacons, and, and, and we need to take care of the widows, and we know what we're supposed to do. Our our thing to fix is praying and bringing the word so you can now fix the problem with the widows. That's yours. Do you see this? I mean, you just, when I look through this, even down to the point of like, sometimes God uses a word of knowledge or a supernatural thing. They're in the prison and God's like, I'm gonna break you free. I've got this one. Other times, Paul's like, wait, I'm a Roman citizen. I got this one. You can't do that to a Roman citizen. And he, it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So some of the problems are yours, some are theirs, and some are God's, and you have to figure out which category they're in. Now, let me start with this. Some of them are yours to fix. And I can see this with uh, Paul to Timothy. I see him talking in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. He's like, I can just hear Paul saying like, come on, step up, you got this. This is yours to solve. Step up, step into the leadership role that you need to do, that you need to do. And if you're planting a church, leading a church, how many know you're gonna run into problems all the time? I'll give you some of ours. Um, our first building, we walk in, and we had two choices. We had two choices of buildings. One was an open school, like with hardly any walls. And when you walked in the entryway, there were bird cages with birds that were pooping on the floor. And I was like, that is not gonna work for a church. You know what I'm saying? And then the other one was a brand new building. And they said, all you can use is the gymnasium. That's it. And it broke into three, but I'm like, that's not gonna work. And so I'm, I'm talking to the principal. I need the school without the bird poop. I gotta have that one. And in that moment, he's like, well, that's all, you know, I mean, that's it. And I, and I have to solve the problem. This is my, it didn't matter if I was gonna pray or fast. Right now, I have to think and solve the problem. And so I said to the principal, like, well, what about a spot for the babies? What about, I mean, I gotta have a spot for the babies. You gotta give at least one room. I think it's against the law to not give babies a room, you know? 
And he's like, all right, we'll give you the teacher's lounge, and that's it. And then I was like, what about the toddlers? He's like, no, you get one room for the babies and the gymnasium. And so we opened up our church with uh, babies were in the teacher's lounge. The children's church was in one-third of the gym. We had, you know, two-thirds, and the toddlers were in the hallway. And we put up those little portable canisters and made a little corral there, and I thought, there's no way a parent is going to check their kid in into a hallway, but then I forgot, I don't have toddlers, you know, and, and if you have a toddler, you'll be like, take them. <laughs> well, we're watching them in the mechanic room. That's a fine. Give them a wrench. It's okay. <laughs> Just take my kid. Get him out of here. Right? So it worked. It worked. And what was funny is those little kids, and they were like, you know, those portable canisters, they move, they're on wheels and everything. And it was just so funny. If you look at toddlers, they're like, they're like little velociraptors. They're just like, and they just figure out how to move things. You know what I'm saying? So. Our first church, again, it was my problem. I had to solve it, and I did the best I could. Our, our, we go into our first building. We're in our first building campaign, and we finally get into this building. It's an office warehouse. I've sent out a mailer to 25,000 homes. I mean, it is exciting. Church is going to move into the new building. It's Thursday, and the inspector comes in and says, hey, you, you, you failed your inspection. I was like, nope, 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 nope. I sent out a mailer. Like, we got to open Sunday. We have to open. And he's like, sorry, you failed your inspection. Um, the plumbing doesn't go all the way up to the outside, your plumber actually just vented it right above the ceiling tile, and so he didn't vent it all the way outside. He kind of cut corners, and so you fail. You cannot open I'm like, no, you don't understand. I sent out a mailer. Like, <laughs> you, you have to let us open. We, we have a mailer. And he's like, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to tell you. Your, your bathrooms fail. And I was like, well, like, what, 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 is there any other alternative? He's like, what about, he goes, all right, porta-potties. If you do porta potties out front, I will let you open. He goes, I want 10 porta potties. I want two handicapped ones. And you got to have them out front where everyone can see them. So on our opening day, <laughs> 10 porta potties on the sidewalk as you're walking into our church. And the other thing is, when he left, he goes, I'm chaining those bathrooms shut because he goes, You're probably going to use them. I was like, Ugh. He could read my mind, you know? And so I'm welcome to church, pay no attention to the smell, you know? So that's how, it, you just have to solve the problems. And, and it doesn't mean you're a failure. Then the ones that are yours, you've got to step up and solve them. Um, I mean, you know, we had somebody stealing our signs. We're putting out our signs every week for church and they're stealing our signs and taking them away. And I'm like, so I called the police and I said, somebody's stealing our signs. And they are like, we are. I was like, what do you mean you're stealing my signs? You know, what are the police doing stealing my signs? And they said, it's against the law for a church to put out a sign. I said, well, realty companies do it all the time. And they said, well, they have a special law. You can't do it. I was like, well, what's the crime? What's, are you coming to arrest me? What's the penalty? They said, There's, it's just we take your sign. I was like, that's it? So I was like, print cheaper signs, you know? Problem solved, right? No prayer needed, right? And so we just put cheap signs out. The police would drive by, take it. We put another one out, you know? Four dollars, you know? So solve the problem. Solve the problem, all right? Now, again, if you, some of you 
need to have more problems that you're solving and not have other people solve them for you. What do I mean by that? People will come to me, they'll say like, hey, Pastor Rob, your church is big, it's got money, you gave away $5 million last year, could you give us this money for this problem and could you take care of it? You could do that. And I'm like, no, a lot of these problems you have to figure out how to solve on your own and you have to figure out how to build up your strength muscle to solve these problems. I saw this on uh, the website, My Pet Chicken. I don't go there often, but um, it was there. It was talking about if you try to help a baby chick out of the egg, like if you're doing a hatch of an egg and you want to have this chicken come out and you see it struggling to get out and you help it out, you could kill the chicken. It's like it has to develop the muscles to fight its way out of the egg. And if you don't let it do that, you're going to hurt the chicken, and you could actually kill it. And it says, the thing that you want to do is actually wrong. Let it build its strength from solving that problem and build that muscle. So some of you are all upset about the problems you have to solve, and God's like, I am building the strength in you that you need. If somebody swooped in and saved the day, it would actually hurt you, it could stunt your growth, it could, it could kill you, so be thankful for the things that you need to fix. Um, again, some of these things you just need to fix and you gotta have the courage to step up and fix them. I can remember venting to my wife and being like, I can't believe this and this is so bad and all this and all this. She's like, well, you're the pastor. Why don't you solve it? I'm like, I love your just caring heart for me, honey. Thank you, <laughs> you know? But you have to step up and fix these problems and let me talk about one here. Staff going sideways. I mean, if staff are going sideways, you have to solve that problem. If you're the leader, you have to step up and solve the problem. And for me, this was the hardest thing. I wanted everyone to like me. I wanted everyone to like me, so it was just killing me. I want, the first person I went to fire got a pay raise. I didn't, I, I, my wife goes, how'd it go? How'd he take it? I was like, really good. You know, like, <laughs> she's like, he did? I was like, I, I, I gave him a raise, I just, and she's like, why? How did you do that? I was like, I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. You know, now I can fire you, like, you know, much better. But you have to do it. I can remember when I had a staff member going sideways on me. Staff members going sideways. I just couldn't figure out why I wasn't connecting with my staff anymore, but one of our high-level leaders was sideways. When I would leave the room, he would say, I hate that guy, in front of the other staff. Can you imagine that? And they all sat there and, and were part of this. I couldn't believe it. And then I found out he was using profanity, and we are not that type of church. I don't even like the close to cuss words, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I don't, we don't roll that way. And I found out he was swearing. And then one day, I, I go up to a staff member. I said, what, it's like, what is it like working at River Valley? You know, you're new here, how, how is it? And he goes, I feel defiled working here. And I was like, what? And he started to tell me what was happening when I left the room. Well, I had to have the courage to fire this person. And this person was like a key creative, key leader. A lot of people reported to him. And I mean, I just remember thinking, this is the moment. I have to step up, I, I can't pray this one away. I have to fix this. I'm in the authority spot. I've got to make this call, I've got to do that. And with every ounce of courage, every ounce of strength, I did it, made that decision. I actually fired everyone on my staff that day. 
I fired him and said, you will never step back in this building again. We will pack up your belongings and we will send them to you. Then I went to the rest of the staff and said, you're all fired for betrayal. Every single one of you is fired. You can go home now tonight, and if you craft a letter with your spouse, full apology, admitting to what you did, I will take you back tomorrow with six months probation that if you do anything wrong, you're gone. All of them showed up the next morning with a letter with them and their spouse saying, we ask your forgiveness, we want a second chance, we want to do this. Uh, I didn't know if it was right. Nobody coached me on it. This is the best I could do. I had to solve the problem, but we were able to save those relationships and be able to save the church. But I had to stand up and fix this problem. No one else is gonna do it. I remember when I went to our district, I said to our superintendent, hey, can you come in and help me fire these guys? He's like, it's your church. You have to do this. You have to step up. And then even when he did come in later for like a kind of a, I don't know if it was a discipline, but it was like a restoration meeting. He's like, guys, you shouldn't have done that. It was super nice in the meeting. And afterwards, he's like, how'd you think that went? I said, terrible. You should have screamed at him. I said, I'd have backed you if you'd have spit on him too. Like, I would have been there with you. Like, you could have really let him know. But anyways, he's like, it's your problem. You have to fix him. Now, when I fired this guy, when I fired this guy, here's what I learned. If you don't step up and solve the problems that God wants you to solve as the leader, People lose faith in your leadership. Because here's what I had. Key leaders were coming up to me and they're saying, I didn't think you were aware. I didn't think you saw that. I didn't think that you, I thought you were blind to this and you weren't the type of leader I could follow into the future. But now that I see that you did this, I see that you saw the problem. Others were like, I thought you saw the problem, but you were too afraid to change the problem and to take uh, issue and, and, and settle it. And so I thought you were a person that lacked courage and I didn't think I could follow you. Imagine that. And all this is going, one guy came up to me and said, I was just about to give you $100 if you would just fire that guy because I knew he needed to go. I think this guy was gonna give me money to fire somebody because he saw the problem that I couldn't see. But I will tell you this, once I saw the problem, I solved it, I let him go and I stepped up to the leadership. Some of the problems that you face are yours and you have to fix them. You just have to, you have to step up. Some of the problems they need to fix. And for a lot of us here, this is a problem. We wanna be super pastor. Remember I told you in the earlier session, I said I wrote a handwritten birthday card. I, I, I write one to every one of the pastor's kids. I get a stack on my desk every month of every one of the pastor's kids. I still write it. I wanna let you know that I used to write every single person in our church a handwritten birthday card and anniversary card until we reached 500 people. Every single person in the church, not the PKs, everybody. Until I'd go into my office and I saw that stack on my desk one day and I was like, okay, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so I had to delegate it out to my team. And I'm like, all right, you write to this, you do this, you do this. And that's when I said, I will minister to our elders, to my staff, and to the PKs, that's, like, that's my leadership proximity that I'm gonna take care of. So I was doing that and I would hog everything. I would try to do it all myself. And, and I learned that, somebody said it today, the, your burden is somebody else's blessing. Man, and I started to learn that other people were wired other ways. And I gotta tell you this, when somebody says, I've got this, how many know that's music to your ears? 
I love it. Like, you're like, oh, what are we going to do? The roof is leaky. Is there, I got it. I got it. I know a guy. That's just amazing. And I thank God when they use their gifts. I'll give you a couple examples. Our church went through a financial crisis in 2008. 2008, it wasn't the global financial crisis. It was a financial scandal within our church. Our business administrator never said no to any request I ever gave him. I mean, if I was out with a missionary and I said, can we buy this missionary a new van? He'd be like, yeah, we could do that. I'm like, that's awesome. If I was out to lunch with a potential staff member, I was like, can we hire them? He'd be like, yep, you can hire them. If the youth group needed anything, they got it. They did it. It turned out to be about a million dollars that we spent and we were broke. Broke. All of the money was gone. I mean, completely gone. And, and I, I, the, obviously, we let this guy go. We, we can't do our new building. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's the worst day. I can't believe that day that we even survived it. And I, I called a guy who was the best business administrator in town at another church. And I said, man, we just had a, a financial crisis. All of our money is gone. We couldn't even make payroll that weekend. Dino Rizzo wired me $75,000 so I could make payroll that weekend. He was like, you, you, I can't stay open. We literally stood in front of the church and said, we don't know where all the money in the bank went. Like, all of our savings is gone. All of our checking is gone. And if we want to stay open, there's only one vote today. It's in the offering. And if we get a good offering, we'll stay open. And if we don't, we're going to call it a day. I mean, literally. And so we said, we're going to play the offertory twice today. <laughs> True. We really did. We said, we're going to play it the first time so you can pray. We're going to give you, like, you know, four minutes to pray. Uh, talk with your spouse. It'll give you a little music coverage. And uh, then we're going to receive the offering. And the church gave a triple offering that day, and we stayed alive. Okay, that was their vote. So I call a business administrator, and I said, hey, I need to know who it is that you would recommend to come and join our team and to try to save us from this financial crisis. But let me stop for a moment. The business guy never took a dollar. Let me just say that. He never took a dollar. We just spent it all. The youth department got a quarter million more than was in their budget. Kids ministry got 200,000. We gave a quarter of a million to missions that we didn't know we were giving. So thank God, none of the money went to Vegas. It all went to ministry. You know what I'm saying? So praise God. So I'm on the phone with this guy. Who do you recommend? And he goes, me. And I was like, yeah, I just said we're broke and we don't have any money and we have a million dollar shortfall right now. We're broke. We have $11,000 in the bank. That's it. And he goes, me. I think I was made for this. I want to be your guy. I got this. And I'm like, oh, praise God. <laughs> praise God for them that are wired that way to bring their gifts to the table. And when he left, we had several million in the bank, and the church had turned it around. And I thank God that he answered the phone and said, I've got this. I could have sat in my office and thought, I got to solve this. I got to be the business guy too. I got to do it all. But God had wired somebody in the them to solve it. I mean, our oldest son, Connor, and I'll have him come up in a, in a, in a minute to talk about the healing. Our oldest son, Connor, um, he said, hey, we've got to get more of them involved in ministry. We've got to break this down into more bite-sized chunks so more people can do ministry around here because let's break a job in half and break it again, and, and let's try to get more people involved and get more people serving, and then we can start more campuses that way. And he's like, let's get them through that. He also said, let's try to do this and, and do next class our our thing in one day. Let's, let's just keep trying to do this. Some of the things they need to solve, and we've got to get them 
doing the things they do and using their gifts. When it comes to raising the money, I've got to cast the vision, but they need to bring the provision, okay? And I'm trusting on them to do what they do. I'll never forget. I'm trying to figure out how, how are we going to do this, God? I know what I make. How are we ever going to get this building? How are we ever going to be able to do these things? What are we going to And God brought people, them, that brought their gifts to solve our problems. This one couple comes into my office, and they said, uh, hey, we want to meet with you. Now, let me set this up. Moments earlier, the banker is in my office, and he said, Pastor Rob, you're never going to get a building. I hate to break the news to you. We've looked at your finances. Until you turn things around, you're not going to get a building. He's like, you have too much debt, okay? Beck and I financed our whole church on credit card debt, $100,000 on Visa Gold. That's not the ARC model. Because you're never going to get a building. You still owe $100,000 to credit cards. I, I, every new credit card, I just transfer a balance and keep getting a new one. Keep doing it. Like, just keep transferring. So he's like, you owe the credit cards. You owe money on this. You owe that. You have that debt. You don't. Your tithe is not big enough. And he goes, and you have no money in a building fund. See, you actually have to have a building fund to buy a building, okay? So you can't. The, the banker walks out of my office and this new family to our church says, can we talk to you? They passed each other in the lobby, all right? They come into my office and they said, hey, what do you want us to do if we want to give a, a big gift to the church? I'm like, well, just write the check, baby. Just write it and put it in. And they said, well, like, it's a big, big one. And I said, well, give it to the business administrator and then the ushers won't know how much it was and they won't see it, you know? They said, because it's a big one. Well, they told me three times it was a big one. How many know if you tell me three times, I got to ask you how much, right? And they said, well, we need to tithe half a million dollars. I said, do you need to tithe on half a million? Or like, is the tithe actually half a million? And they said, it's half a million. We've had a $5 million business deal pending for years. It just came through and we want to tithe right now half a million. I'm like, praise God. I mean, can you imagine that? The banker and the miracle passed each other. And I just have this vision of God being in heaven, being like, watch this, watch. <laughs> and, and in one moment, their 500,000 wiped out all the credit card debt. It was all tithe, which he said we didn't have. And we put a quarter of a million into our building fund and gave $60,000 to missions. I mean, it was just amazing in one moment. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And they brought their gifts to the table. Since then, they've given us another half-million-dollar gift, and I thank God for them and people like them that want to bring their gifts to the table to solve the problems. Praise God for those people. Now, um, not every idea that they bring is a good idea. How many know that, you know? So you have to have discernment to figure out which one. Like, we had a guy, he came up to me, he said, I know how we could solve our money problem. And I'm like, How? He goes, we could take a life insurance policy out on every member of our church, and then when they die, we get the life insurance money. And I'm like, is that legal? <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, Walmart does it. And true, true, Walmart was doing it, and they actually got in trouble for it. Walmart was actually taking out a life insurance policy on every employee, paying the premium, and then if the pre uh, employee died, it's tax-free money. So Walmart, it was actually in the New York Times and everything. And he's like, it's, it's, it's legal. And then I'm like, is it ethical? You know, like, I mean, could you imagine that? You go to the hospital, you're like, hey, we've been checking your giving records. 
You're worth more dead than alive. Take them, Lord. Just take them. Take them. I mean, that's conflict of interest. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so not every idea. And again, it, it's crazy. You think about crazy things that we do and we have in our church. Think about this. Jesus had his disciples like, you want us to kill them, Lord? You want us to call down fire? We'll call down fire. We'll call. I mean, so bad ideas come from people all the time. You have to have discernment on this. Um, and then I think about uh, a guy came up to me and he goes, hey, you know how we could double our missions giving? And I'm like, how? He goes, you could give me the money and I would take it to the casino. <laughs> he said this in the church lobby. I'm like, no, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that with God's money. He's like, I'm just telling you, if you gave me the money, I would take it to the casino and I would double it. And I'm like, no, we are not going to do that with the missions money. We're not going to do that with God's money. We're not going to do that. And then I go, well, what would you do if you were there? <laughs> he says, oh, I got a system. I said, what's the system? He's like, slot machines. I was like, oh, Lord, help me. Help me. So not every idea is a good idea, all right? Have discernment, all right? But thank God for the them in your life. And I will tell you this, in early in ministry, I used to say like, uh-uh. The, the leaders, this, and the people. And God's like, no, these are the people I've brought to you. These are the people, they're gonna bring their gifts to the table, and if you'll empower them and you'll let them use them, I will change the world through them. I will use them in ways. And I, now I love the thems that God sends to us. And I'm like, God, keep sending as many of them as you can to our church so we can empower them to use their gifts and talents to help change the world. Then the other thing is some problems only God can fix. And I mean, how many know that really God is behind all of this? I mean, he really is, but only God can fix. And you're, I just remember when we bought land in one of our cities, we have nine campuses, and we went there and the, the city council said, we are gonna fight you. We are gonna fight you to the end. You are not going to ever get a hold of this land. It's never gonna happen. We're gonna fight you. And so we're going to city council. I'm ready with my team. We are gonna protest this. I'm about ready to stand up and say, we're gonna sue you. I'm ready for city council meeting. I mean, they told me, you're never, ever, ever gonna get the land, ever. And, and right before that, right before that moment, um, where they start out the city council meeting and they're like, hey, we're, we're here today. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, I can't stand you guys. I can't say, they say, hey, we're just meeting in chambers. And um, we had a change of heart. We just were thinking about how good River Valley is, a church in this community, and we just want to say, we want to approve their land. And I almost stood up and said, I object, you know, but I was like, did they just do that? Did they just change it around like that? And they said, we just kind of had a change of heart in chambers. How many know God can change people's heart in the chambers? That's what he does. Had another one, the, the mayor called me, he said, you'll never build on this land. If you build on this land, you'll be my biggest enemy. And I was like, what are you, I mean, what, do, how are we, what are we gonna do then? He's like, turn the land back in and build somewhere else. And I said, give me three spots to build in. Kind of in that they, you know, my, I said, just give me three spots. And we did it, and, we, and now that campus, we bought that land. I called them up after we bought that land. It was right across the street from Sam's Club, Walmart, Best Buy, Starbucks. We're right on the interstate and I called him up and I said, remember when you said I shouldn't buy that land? I bought this land. Now I need you to make this deal go through. And he did it. But I'm telling you, it's those things where you just can't even, you couldn't think of it. People are like, what a genius. This business plan's so good. I'm like, I didn't have a plan. I was just trying to survive. God loves his church more than we do. 
I mean, these are some of the things. I'll, I'll give you another one. We went multi-site. We went multi-site, and God brought the, the miracle to us. We were trying to get a church building given to us, and we're trying to, we wanted them to give this building to us because they're down to 40 people, seats 400. We need a place to grow. And when I walk in the lobby of the building, I walk in and the Lord speaks to me and he says, tell them that on your driver's license, you're an organ donor. And I'm like, and what else? Because that's weird, right? And so I'm doing a Q&A thing with these 40 people, and I'm talking to them, and all of a sudden, this guy says, hey, our building's worth a million dollars. Why do you want it? What's your motive? And he's all angry. And, and I just felt the Lord say, tell him right now. And so I'm like, on my driver's license, it says that I'm an organ donor. If I'm dying, take everything I have and give it to the living, and then I get the rest of the download from the Lord. And I said, your church is dying right now, and if you will donate this organ, this building, to a life-giving church, you're going to die, but you're going to hear your heartbeat in our church. Isn't that amazing? Only God. Afterwards, people were like, because the guy right then, he goes, he goes, I say we vote right now. And they voted and gave it to us. And afterwards, like, that was brilliant. I was like, that was God. Who would say that? Who would ever say that? Nobody. That was God. So God does these things over and over and over again. And I shared this, and it probably was very intriguing for many of you when you heard this. Again, we face things that are way outside of I can't fix it, they can't fix it, only God can. And probably the biggest one in my life, uh, in my wife and I, in our life, was our oldest son, Connor, was born with autism. And everybody always asked for clarification on this, and I'm going to give you as straight as it was, as clear as it was. Our oldest son, Connor, was born with autism. He could not look us in the eye. It was like, yeah, yeah, okay? He slept in his car seat buckled in. When I share this with people that understand autism, they get it. He would scream when we laid him in his crib flat, and when we put him in his car seat, because he was buckled in tight, he would sleep. So, man, you're sleep deprived. How many of you move the car seat into the crib? And we put his car seat in the crib, and that's how he slept. We just thought it was kind of cute you know, and we're sleep deprived. Well, we start to notice he's not making eye contact. When we'd say cheese, you know, you gotta take a picture, he'd run to the fridge and eat a piece of cheese. If you played with a game in this room and you said to him, hey, do you wanna play with the Legos? He'd run and grab the Legos and play with them only in that room. Everything was a line. He would line up his food, he'd line up everything. We thought it was cute, we bought him trains. Thomas the train, man, we thought, kid loves trains. It wasn't, he'd only parrot back to us, like, where are we going? We're going to the mall. Oh, we're going to the mall. And it was parroting back and forth. He knew directions like nobody's business. We'd drive in the car, and if we varied from the route, if we said we're going to the mall, he'd know it. And if we varied, I mean, that's not normal for a two-year-old to know the directions to the mall. And if you vary from the path, he's screaming because you went off the path to the mall. I'm trying to show you, he was in special ed for two years going into special ed, not making contact. We're planting the church. People are quitting the church because our son scares them. They're kids. And so they're quitting. It was just, it was horrible. We prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted and went to every healing thing. I mean, I'm probably guilty. I bought like healing hankies on TV. I mean, you're desperate. You want to see a miracle. So you're like, I don't know. Maybe the crazy guy's right for $39.99. You know, like, 
give me the oil, give me the oil. Scented with cinnamon, I don't care, you know, like, you know? And so then I got to this spot where I gave up. I gave up. I was like, God can't do it, and he won't do it. And he's a good God, a loving God, a kind God, but he won't heal our son. And, and we just kind of gave up. And then one day in church, I, I, this is just so surreal to me. It was just, we're portable. We're a couple years into church planning. We're portable. We're loading up the equipment in the loading dock. Everybody else has gone home and a visiting pastor says, is there anything we could pray for you about? Anything we could pray for you about? And I'm about to pray for church growth and, and more income and you know stuff like that. And my wife goes, our son has autism and we want to see him healed. And I'm just like, where did that come from? Like, it was just the closest thing I can point it to. It was like the Samaritan woman when she says, even the dogs get the crumbs. It was like that type of, I call it like tenacious mama faith, you know? And I, and I couldn't believe it. And so we're like, okay, I'm not going to say church growth after that, you know? But <laughs> we've been praying for two years, two years and seen nothing. And I had given up, like, you're a good God, kind God. You want to save people, but you don't want to heal them anymore, you know? And all of a sudden, he lays hands on our son and prays over him, and he says this. He says, God has seen that you've seen him as a good God, but now to show you that he's a powerful God, he's going to do what he can do, and he will heal your son for his glory. And the best way I could tell you is our son, like if you've seen the movie Pinocchio, it was kind of like, he just looks up, he goes, hi, dad, where are we going? And I was like, oh. My wife and I just start crying. Our son is now making eye contact with us. He's talking in full sentences. He's not parroting. He's miraculously healed. So we bring him into special ed on, on Monday, and we say, look what happened to Connor. And his teacher, Teacher Pam's like, what in the world? And we're like, he got healed at church yesterday. She goes and gets her boss, brings her boss in, and the boss does a test with him, and then she looks at us and goes, how dare you steal from special ed? This child is normal. You have been stealing from special ed for the last two years. And I said, yeah, it's every parent's dream to rip off special ed, you know? <laughs> I said, our son was healed, and I give glory to God because God did it, and I think he deserves praise even now. So, so I wanna ask Connor to come on up here real quick. He's usually not with me, and uh, just come on up here, Connor. Love you. So everybody always asks, like, did you know that you had autism? Go ahead and talk. Yeah, I mean, I was healed when I was four, and honestly have no memory, no recollection. Um, I was 12 years old, and we were at home and we were watching some movie or a commercial or something came on and it was talking about kids with autism. And so I just said, you know, mom, dad, like we should help kids that have autism. And right then my mom started crying and I felt, I was like, did I say something wrong? Or like, did I do, you know, I, I just felt bad. So I went up to my room and, and got ready for bed. And, and that's when they told me the story of everything, of being healed and all that sort of stuff. And so uh, it's so cool for me because I just realized, like, first of all, God has saved us so much from sin, and he saved us from the life, the death that we should have, uh, separation from sin. But for my life, he has saved me from what I should have had, which was that autism, that 
uh, mental illness. And so now every day is just like, I gotta live for God. Like I gotta live for him. I've never had that moment of being wayward or anything. Like I just know the call that's on my life. And now we get to serve together and, and do ministry together. And He's one of the pastors on our staff. And then um, I said, if you're ever wondering in life, if you're winning, yeah, when you're healed of autism, you're winning. Like you're, like, like God has got something for you that's ahead of you. And um, it, it, he gave me permission to preach it. You know, remember what that was like when I asked you about that? Yeah, uh, right away it was, you know, hey, is it okay if I share your story? And, you know, obviously wanting to ask for permission. And, and my thought was always, if this story can help minister to people, then absolutely, let's, let's preach it, let's teach it. And I know you've shared it at churches all across America and people, it, this really hits home for a lot of people. You know, they have family or friends, people that they know that there's an impossible miracle that needs to happen. And uh, hopefully I can stand up here and be that testimony to, to say, keep praying, keep believing, keep fighting because your miracle is coming. Your Amen. miracle is coming. I gotta thank God again for the healing of my son. Praise God. Thank you, son. We've had another child healed at our church of autism, and I know that I had put that in the category of that doesn't happen until heaven, and now I'm like, that, that's coming into the category of it can be healed here on earth. And, and so with faith believing, I'm just asking that God would let us believe for miracles again, and uh, I just wanna share one thought on miracles. Here's what I believe about this. I believe that the Bible says, it says, by his stripes we are healed, okay? And on the cross, Jesus Christ paid for the price of our sins and he paid for our healing. I believe that. We have, he paid for our healing and I believe that those miracles are deposited. Our healing is in heaven. Revelation says there'll be no sickness, no pain, no suffering. He'll wipe away the tears from our eyes. So I believe what was paid for on the cross is waiting for us in heaven. And if this is the line between when we die and we're on earth, all we're doing is we're asking God to release what's here into our now. You understand? It's past, paid for, it's future waiting for us, and it comes into our now, and that's why we call it a miracle. So that should raise our faith. So I never pray anymore like, Lord, if it's your will for them to be healed, I pray, Lord, I know it's your will for them to be healed, and I pray that it would manifest into their now. Now, I know this. I don't control what causes it to jump into my now, but I also don't live in condemnation, okay? If you look at the Bible, sometimes it was the people's faith because Jesus say it, said, seeing their faith. Sometimes it was other people's faith, and he, like, the guys that broke the hole through the ceiling to get to Jesus, he said he saw their faith and the man was healed. Sometimes people have no faith, so you can't live in any condemnation for the release into your now because the man at the pool of Bethesda, when Jesus walks up to him and says, do you wanna be healed? He's like, well, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. He doesn't even answer the question right. After he gets healed, they say, who healed you? He's like, I don't know. He wasn't even a groupie, like he didn't even know who Jesus was. You can't say the man had any faith, and yet God brings the miracle into his now. But I do know this, we're allowed to pray for it, we're allowed to ask for it, and we can ask what's paid for, what's deposited to manifest into our now. And so I don't pray, I just pray, 
Lord, I know it's your will. And people say, well, what happens if they don't get healed? I'm gonna pray believing that they're gonna get healed. And if you don't see it manifest in your now, you're moving one day closer to your miracle. Your miracle is in heaven. And I'm gonna keep praying and praying and praying and praying. I wanna shake it loose. I wanna dislodge it. I want it to manifest into my now. And I don't understand why it doesn't release like right now for all of us. But I'll give you this illustration. And all illustrations have holes in them, all right? but I'll give you this one. Um, my kids used to ask me for ice cream, but they used to ask the wrong way. They used to say, hey, Dad, you're probably not gonna do this. And I'm like, well, what am I not gonna do? You know? Well, you're probably not. I mean, we were wondering that you probably won't do it. And I'm like, what do you mean? You, I mean, what do you mean you won't do it? What, 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 I'm a good dad. What do I, like, well, we think we, we could get some ice cream, but you probably won't do it, you know? And so I said, from now on, here's how you're going to ask for ice cream. You're going to come up to me and you say, Dad, you're an amazing dad. You're the best dad on planet Earth. Don't you agree? We are thinking today would be an amazing day for ice cream. That's going to get you more ice cream. Okay? And then I, okay, but then I said, sometimes I will delay you getting ice cream because I know that dinner is coming. And ice cream just has to wait to the other side of dinner. There's a bigger picture that dad understands that you don't. You're focused on ice cream, and I'm focused on dinner. And that's more important for you. And so, again, it breaks down a little bit, but I believe that there are some, I, I know that I'm just going to ask God for miracles over and over and over again. I, I, when I'm praying, I'm like, would today be a great day for ice cream, God? Today could be a great day for ice cream. Because you're a good, and, and that's why I go into his presence with praise and thanksgiving. You're a great God, a magnificent God. Nothing's too difficult for you. You, you give generous gifts to your children. You want to bless. You, you, that's your heart. So today, I thought I'd ask for a healing because you're a good God, and I believe that you can do this. And I ask in Jesus' name for what was paid for, what's been deposited to manifest into my now. God, today would be a great day for ice cream. So I've, I, I just feel like we should pray for a few things, and I think some people need to have God give them a breakthrough. Others, you need to empower other people. You've been a ministry hog, and others, you need to step up and have the courage. So as we do this prayer right now, um, I would love to just pray for you, and I'd love to ask you to do this. I'd love to say, if you know that right now you're like, I need to step up, I need to have courage, I need to make the call, it's on me, I need to do it. I'm gonna ask that when we pray this prayer, you would put your hands on your chest, like, it's me, I gotta step up, I gotta do this. If you feel in this prayer like you gotta empower other people and let them do it, I want you to say, like, put your hands out, be like, God, I'm gonna release this. God, bring me more of them for the things we need to do. I, I will disciple them, I'll pastor and lead them. And if you need a miracle, I want you to put your hands up in the air, like, God, I need you, all right? And I had one guy, I did this prayer at our church. He said, I needed it all. I was like heads and shoulders, knees and toes. I was like, yeah, I need it all. I was like, all right, you could do that too. You could do one of the, all right. But let's pray in faith believing right now. Come on, let's pray in faith believing. Let's pray. Where's your hands? Are they on you? Are they out in front of you? Or are they above you? God, you see our hands. You see where we're at right now. And Lord, we're praying. And I just pray that that resonates. I felt like it clicked 
with a couple people that today could be a great day for ice cream. Today could be a great day for a miracle. Today could be a great day for something to happen in their life. And so God, I'm praying for that right now in Jesus' name. I'm praying for uh, uh, miracles that were paid for that are being held in heaven to be released into their now in Jesus' name. I'm coming to agreement with people that have prayed a hundred or a thousand times and they prayed for it and they're just gonna keep praying. I pray that they would not be discouraged, but they keep praying and praying and praying. God, and I also pray that they would just realize that they, it's there and it's theirs and we pray for it to manifest in there now in Jesus' name. We're believing for that. Hands are up for that in Jesus' name. And God, we're praying that you would give them the big boom, the miracle that they are looking for, the breakthrough that they need in Jesus' name. God, I'm praying for those people that are saying, God, I need to hand things off. I need to put things out. I, I have held things too close to me. God, let them freely give ministry away and bring them so many more people that they can lead and disciple and equip and let them use their gifts for your glory. And lastly, God, I pray for people that are saying, it's me, I need the courage, I've gotta step up, I've gotta do this, I, I, I've gotta make this happen because it's on me. There's no spiritual thing on this, I've just gotta be the leader that you've called me to be. And so God, I'm praying for them that they would step up and do that. They'd step up, they would have those moments, I will be the leader you've called me to be. God, I circle back, I circle back in faith believing, in faith believing for miracles to manifest in Jesus' name. I pray for tenacious mama faith that would just fall on people. They would say, there's nothing else that I desire. This is what I want right now, right now, right now. And I pray for no discouragement. I pray that they would continue to bring this before you. But I, I pray today, somebody's gonna get ice cream. Somebody's gonna get a healing in Jesus' name. Somebody's gonna get their breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. We're in faith believing. Connor was just up here sharing the testimony of your healing power and faith rose up in somebody's heart and they grabbed a hold of it and they said, I want mine. I want, today's the day, today's the day and I'm believing for that. God, I'm believing for that and we are believing in Jesus' name. We pray for people by name that are needing a miracle and are needing a breakthrough and are needing a healing in Jesus' name. It's way beyond them. And so we come into agreement. We come into agreement in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are believing. We are asking for this. We are believing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. I, I wanna continue with this. And I'm looking around for Greg. I'm looking for uh, Greg Surratt. Is Greg in here? Sorry. Is he here? Oh, he's right back here. I want Greg to come on up, and I want, I want you to talk about uh, this. And if you feel any leading to pray for uh, any healings or anything right now or any of the, the big boom that we're believing for, I know that God has been giving your church an outpouring of this, and it's way outside of even strategy. It's into the supernatural. What a great word. Somebody in here is already feeling different about something that you just prayed for. Anybody in here that you prayed and you couldn't do something, maybe you can do it now? Anybody at all feel? Right back there. Where's that? To the right, to your right, right back there. Can you just stand up? Just tell us 
What's going on? You felt something change. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Can you stand up and just tell us? Wow, you just felt it. Okay. Anybody else? We're at? Straight back by the camera. Straight back. Yeah. Can you just stand? Let, let me just say this. Let me say this. Just why, why we're doing what we're doing. And we have a clock. We're running out of time. The first time, can I just say real quickly what happened? So, so uh, in our church, just real quickly, a guitar player uh, had a form of MS in pain all of the time. Uh, a friend of a friend said, would you mind if a friend would pray for him? And so he did over the phone, and our guitar player was healed about eight months ago, totally healed. Um, just a few weeks before, or a few days before Thanksgiving, my daughter, who's here in the room, 36 years old, was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, and so my, uh, my son, who is now leading the church, Josh, he said, uh, we do a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year, and he said, um, Dad, would you mind if we had this friend of a friend who we've never met, by the way, come to our church and let's have a prayer night, a miracle healing night. And you got to understand, we didn't have a whole lot of miracles to stand on at that point, but we were going to step out in faith and pro provide room for God to do what he needed to do. And um, I said, sure. And so we did our 21-day fast. We ended it on the fourth Wednesday of the month. We had a prayer and healing service, and I found out just before the service that the guy that prayed for our guitar player that we asked to come speak had never spoken in a church in his life, had never done that before. I thought, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I gave him 15 minutes. Seven hours later, we had hundreds of documented healings, and since that time, uh, we had another service, and I said, we're not going to do seven hours, and we didn't. We did eight hours. And here's why it got so crazy. And it, all, all I wanted to say, and I wanted to see what God is doing. We can't force a thing in the world. Right. But it began when we prayed as Rob did, which was beautiful. What an excellent illustration on that. And then prayed. And then we said, does anybody feel God healing something physically? And at first it was one and two and three. Ears popped open. Unbelievable things happened. And then the line got so long for testimonies and everybody else wanted to get prayed for. And ultimately, by the end of the night, we had, uh, we had people calculate later, over 200 people were healed that night. Uh, we watched arches grow in people's yeah. feet. Um, we, had, uh, we had people that, um, that went to their doctors and had their doctors verify cancer and some kind of a ear thing that was an equilibrium thing that was a, I don't know the name of the disease, my, my son does, but was, was healed just like that, on and on and on and on. When, and, and it continues in our church. I prayed for a girl just the other day, autoimmune disease, and um, gone, 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 gone. 
Why now? We don't know. There's a lot to it. I wrote a blog post. Um, you can go to seacoast.org, kind of read about what's going on at Seacoast. But the, I guess the point, since we're, we're out of time, is what I would say is um, what, what Rob said is so powerful that our healing is paid for. The deposit is in heaven. Why not a little ice cream now? Yeah. And um, James chapter 5 says, if are any sick among you, let him call the elders of the church. It's not optional, optional for me as an elder of the church to pray for people. And, and, it's, and it's not my job of whether the healing manifests immediately in a miracle, over time with medicine, or ultimately with heaven. But we can pray and believe. And so in our churches, make room. Yeah. Just make room. Who knows yeah. what God can do? Who knows? Can you pray for that over us? As I would we, love and that. Let's just pray that we'd make room and believe that God wants to release what's there into our now. We'll solve ours, they'll do theirs, and God will do his. I love it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for this incredible word that, that you've planted in Rob and the incredible uh, miracle in their home because of the testimony mm-hmm. of Connor. We look up and we go, Wow, it did happen. It did happen. You, you do do miracles yes. today. And so, God, in your own way, I, many of us believe that there is, there is already happening just an outbreak of the supernatural mm-hmm. that culminates mm-hmm. in salvation because that's what it's about. We're all dying at some point. Your miracles have a purpose. And, God, we thank you for that. I pray that there would be an impartation of whatever it is that you're doing right now in this place. I pray for boldness among us as pastors to believe you for miracles and then just to make room for miracles to happen. Father, we receive it in Jesus' name. We will not be Mm -hmm. timid. We will be bold in coming to a loving Father who wants to give ice cream. Yes. And so, Father, we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our churches today. In Jesus' yes. name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.